every one of us as a kid have a life mission and we forget about it because we are told by our parents, by our elders, by our society that stop dreaming and go get the job. We are going to hear some amazing stories here tonight and before I introduce our guest I want to tell you a story he shared with me uh, that I absolutely love because his first entrepreneurial memory was when he was 17 years old in Iran and he had an opportunity and that opportunity was to save his spot in school because as he told me he was in a great school but he was a terrible student. Uh, he said he wouldn't wear the uniform, he wouldn't get a crew cut, he had a big afro, uh, he was a counterculturalist. Uh, you know, when everyone said to zig, he zagged. And uh, he saw an opportunity because someone threw out a challenge, and that was to raise $3,000 to build a school. And if you raised $3,000, not only would they build a school, but they would build it in your name. And so he, being the entrepreneur, the internal entrepreneur that he was, said, you know what? name it in the name of my principal so he doesn't kick me out of my school and that was the master plan and it was his first fundraising efforts that he ever had he of course went on to do subsequent fundraises with his many companies that he had uh, and has gone from Iran to now Silicon Valley with several successful startups there but now travels the country working with dozens of countries to help uh, create innovation ecosystems that help them uh, come into the 21st century, 22nd century and beyond. And I'm so happy to introduce him here tonight as the founder and the chairman of Global Innovation Catalysts. Please help me welcome to the stage, all the way from Palo Alto, California, Kamran Alahian. Ron, I'm going to give you uh, time to give your talk, and then uh, we're going to have some Q&A afterwards. So okay. I just want to encourage everyone in the audience to think of maybe some questions you might want to ask, because not only will I ask you a few questions, but I would really love to engage everyone who came out here to, to be here tonight. So as Kamran's sharing his stories, please think of some questions you might have. And then even if you're watching on Facebook Live, um, add some questions there below, and we'll make sure that we share that with Kamran afterwards so he can jump into the comments and maybe answer a few. All right, come on. Thank you, Matt. Stage is yours. Good evening. Any of you are sitting back there, there are some seats available here. Uh, please come and join us. And I had plenty of food. I um, promise not to bite. Uh, so <laughs> feel free to come and sit down and be comfortable. Uh, it's my pleasure, absolute pleasure and honor to be here. I feel bad uh, having lived in the United States since 1972. Uh, I've never had a chance to visit uh, this uh, wonderful city and wonderful state. Uh, let's hope that I've learned my lesson, give you my deep apology, and I will be back again. If you invite me, just if you invite me. And let's see if you will invite me after my, uh, I guess, uh, hopefully good behavior. I try to be in the best of behavior and uh, do something good. What I was thinking to talk about is uh, what I call I-tech-preneurship, creating chaos to avoid chaos. Now, I-tech-preneurship is high-tech entrepreneurship 
leveraged by broadband. The little eye in front of techpreneurship is very important. Just as an example, when I started my first company in 1980 to develop my first prototype, it was a software company, to develop my first prototype, I had to raise $1.8 million. Now imagine, you're a 26-year-old boy in Silicon Valley, and you are trying to go and convince all, the, all these hard-nosed venture capitalists that in those days you couldn't even find them. We had very few of them, and if you wanted to find them, there was no directory. We didn't have Google, we didn't have Yahoo. I remember when I finally met one of them, first one, I asked him, why are you guys so secretive? Why don't you put your information out there? Because I went to the library and I looked on the yellow pages. How many of you know what yellow pages are? <laughs> well, I'm amazed. <laughs> you know, I thought maybe you have forgotten. Before Google, we used to have yellow pages. I went and I looked for V for venture capital and no listing. So I asked him, why are you guys not putting your information on a directory? They said, not find us, you don't deserve to be an entrepreneur. Because if you can't find us, how can you find customers? How can you find employees? How can you find partners? That was a quite interesting lesson to me. That God, entrepreneurship seems to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Imagine you have a crazy idea, nothing like what I was proposing existed, and you try to go and raise 1.8 million just so you could go and create a prototype, just a prototype, to show to them so hopefully they would like you and give you more money. To add to spice it up a little bit, you know. I've been known to like to tell stories. How many of you know, born in Iran, how many of you remember 1980? What was going on? It was Iranian revolution in 1979. 1980, anybody remembers? Hostage crisis, every night on TV. Day number 23, hostage crisis. Imagine you're a little boy, you go and are asking American VCs for $1.8 million. And their first question is, why did you take our people hostage? I said, I didn't take anybody hostage. <laughs> Compare that and the odds you have to overcome to make that, just build the first prototype and build the company to today you can build 
the same prototype, the same type of first attempt at your, what we call MVP, minimum viable product, for less than $50,000. Why? Because of the cloud. Because Amazon, Google, Microsoft have all these servers. I had to buy all of them. They were very expensive in those days. I had to pay upfront a lot of money for licensing fee of every piece of software. We didn't have the business models of freeware, shareware, pay as you go, you know, freemium. None of these existed there. So with the broadband, the world changed in significant ways. And every step of the project, which was so difficult, trying to build the things, it's like every day is huge challenge. But to make a long story short, three years later, HP wanted to buy this company for 50 million. I was an engineer at HP, but I found out who was HP's number one competitor was a company called Tektronics, and we sold it to Tektronics for $75 million. 1984, it made front page of Wall Street Journal that the company less than started by a kid was sold for $75 million in those days, was a huge amount of money. And after that, I started nine other companies. As uh, Matt said, six of them were successful, uh, but three of them failed. And one of them is a zombie. We still don't know whether it will succeed or not. But each one of these, even the ones that were failures, were an opportunity for me to learn and improve my skills and figure out what was it that I was good at and what was it that I was not good at? Big revelation to me after the third company. I'm a lousy CEO. Holy shit, you know, after my first company before age 30, somebody buys it for 75 million, the second company is worth 3.5 billion, you just recognize after your failure on the third company that you are a lousy CEO. So after that, I decided I will only be chairman. And I will select in my team better CEOs who know more than I do and trust them. At the beginning, it was a little bit difficult to say this is our company and I'm not number one guy, I'm chairman. I can hire and fire CEO, but CEO has got to allocate all the resources and makes all the big decisions for that company. It might have been tough to swallow, but then I learned how oh, that frees me up to start another company, another company. In 2000, I was chairman of six companies. Two of them were public companies because I learned what I was good at and what I was not good at.
get my team to complement all my deficiencies. And if you are as inefficient, I have so many problems. The day God was passing out the talents, I must have overslept. I don't know what went wrong. I don't know much. And I'm not being humble, I'm stating the facts. I have zero artistic talents. I have no ability to paint, no ability to play music. I can't do poetry, I can't do sculpture. I have zero abilities. And I have such a bad, I'm such a clot. I cannot even fix anything. When uh, we were struggling students, my wife and I got married, she used to fix the oil and filter in the car because I tried to do it once and it took the whole weekend and at the end of the Sunday, I still was uh, messing around in the garage. She said, hey, that's the end of your abilities. Next time I will change the oil and filter in the car. So if somebody as incompetent as me has a chance to learn what I could do and zero in on the things that I'm good at and recognize that I, like everyone else, has got some pluses and has got some weaknesses. The trick is to select a team that really helps you achieve the results. Now, in that process, there are a lot of issues involved. One is, should you start a company in the first place? If you know the failure is so high, should you really do that? I could have stayed at HP, nice company, nice, good salary, very stable job. Why take the chance? Going back a little bit, when I was a kid, at age eight, I used to, is that the number of seconds left? Oh, good. I wasn't sure whether it's the number of minutes I have talked or the number of minutes left. Imagine, the more you talk, you say, oh, I have more time left for me to talk. You should reverse that. <laughs> when I was about eight years old in Iran, I had this crazy belief that my mission in life is to go, listen to this, how crazy could a kid be, to bring peace in the whole world. And I was so adamant about this, when we would have company, I mean, uh, uh, family parties, all cousins, uncles, aunts, parents, everybody is having fun, I would go and lecture them and say, why are you wasting all your time, uh, you know, chit-chatting and uh, gossiping? Go and change the world. And 
Eight, shut up, finish your dinner. What the hell are you talking about? But Paulo Coelho, I don't know how many of you know who Paulo Coelho is. If you don't know him, read uh, one of the greatest books is Alchemist. Read that. Paulo Coelho says, every one of us as a kid have a life mission. And we forget about it because we are told by our parents, by our elders, by our society that stop dreaming and go and do, get a job. Go and do something that makes you money. And under pressure, many of us do that. Some of us make money. Some of us appear to be successful. But you know in your heart, as Chuck said, he knew something was missing. That wasn't his life mission. So he went and did something that had an impact, a huge impact. Now, if we try to follow our heart, and if we know how risky it is, and how difficult it is, and how high the chances of failure are. Should we follow that? Isn't that better to just say, the world is cruel, I'm a victim. I mean, I have a reason to have felt as a victim, right? You're short, you're bald after I had Afro hair. In high school, I think the principal jinxed me. I was the only kid who never took a nice haircut. He jinxed me. In my 20s, I lost all my hair. Imagine this. If I have none of those talents, and you look like me, it was very easy to go and say, I'm a victim. Why don't I look as good as Matt, or Chuck, or any one of you? Why am I so fat? Why am I so short? <laughs> Why can't I use my hands to draw, to do something good with it? Why can't I have an ear for music? I'm a victim. Especially in 1980, without my fault, the country I was born in took Americans hostage, and every time I would go show my face, Everybody would say, why did you take our people hostage? As though I personally went and you know, had something to do with the Iranian revolution. So we have two choices in life. One is victim mentality and say, the world is cruel. I wasn't given the things, life sucks. Or we can listen to Paulo Coelho and say, let me reach out there and see what my life mission is. Now, I want to tell you a story. I heard this story, it was so motivating for me. This young girl, five, six years old, goes to the zoo with her mom. In the zoo, she sees this big, powerful elephant, huge elephant who is very sad, very sad, because the elephant 
doesn't like captivity, wants to be free. And the little girl looks at this huge elephant, so powerful. There is a small chain around his neck, and there is a small fence. And she says, all he has to do to be free is to yank his head, this chain would break up, and he can jump over the fence and run to freedom. Why doesn't the elephant do that? Mom says, good question. Let's go and ask the zookeeper. The zookeeper says, 20 years ago, we brought this elephant in here as a baby elephant. When it was a baby, this chain was big, and this fence was high. We put the elephant under the chain, behind the fence. Every day it tried to run away. And every day it failed. One day, two days, three days, five days, 10, 20. After 30 days, it accepted reality that he's a failure and he cannot get away. And since 20 years ago, this elephant has not tried, still in his head, sees himself as that baby elephant. And our culture tells us, if you try something and you fail, don't try it again. Only a fool will try to do something after he has failed. Well, this guy tried it 30 times. When I heard that, I said, God damn, I wonder if that's my story. I wonder if that's the story of every one of you. Let's have courage. I don't know what my abilities are. All I knew was my inabilities. That I wasn't handsome, that I wasn't tall, that I didn't have any talents. All was a victim mentality. The moment I started to say, hey, I told my parents when I was 17, after I had that success in high school, to raise, you know, in 1971, raising $3,000 would build the whole school. When you build it, you say, ah, that's possible. I changed. It was chaotic. I totally broke all the rules. No other kid had dared to go and talk to the principal to save his ass this way, I not only saved my ass, I saved three other badasses' <laughs> lives. And we worked together to raise this money. And I said, God, I can do that. The next thing was, I wonder what else I could do. Why shouldn't I go to America? Because if I wanted to stay in Iran, I was always years behind. We didn't have that little eye broadband. 
we didn't have Kenzie Academy. We couldn't get the messages, the content, the things delivered to us. I had to come to America with no money, against all the odds, working in lumberyard, working as a janitor in your own engineering school and hiding it before anybody else comes. You come to work at six, so you finish by nine while all the other students come. But I knew, like that elephant, hey, maybe I have other abilities I did not know. And later on I found out I was actually suffering from ADD. That's why I did not like school. That's why I graduated with C+. That's why I had to do these things. But I learned that I could collaborate with other people. If I don't have the expertise, learn how to convince other people to join me, to go and achieve these things. And that became my biggest superpower. And the rest is history. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful to see all of you. My time is up. I will just say one thing. If you check the spelling of my name and you friend me on LinkedIn, we can stay connected. My email information is all on LinkedIn. And more important, 30,000 contacts of mine are open to everyone. So go and friend me and use my contact, the network. If you're looking for a professor, if you're looking for an employee, if you're looking for a partner, go ahead and use those and see where they are, connect with them so that you don't have to go to the library looking at yellow pages trying to find things. Again, I love you all. Thank you for that awesome talk, Kamran. We're gonna bring some stools up here, and uh, I know you said your time is up, but your time is just getting started. We're gonna put you in the hot seat. Your uh, passion for learning and uh, belief in yourself is really inspiring. Um, I would really uh, be sad if I didn't ask you a little bit about your mission uh, that you're currently on uh, in, in Africa, in Southeast Asia, across the, the country in Asia. Um, what, what are you currently working on in terms of these innovation economies? Well, uh, you know, 22 years ago, my wife and I uh, uh, decided we are going to fulfill our uh, mission. Interesting enough, she has similar mission and uh, we you know, got married when I was 22, she was 21, none of us had anything and uh, we just shared the same vision. We both believe we can go and change the world very idealistic people. And uh, 22 years ago, 1996, we gave all of our money to our foundation. And uh, we had a huge project called Schools Online, 